0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Lighting Archive. Modern theatrical lighting is a unique art form whose history until now has been exceedingly difficult to study due to limited access to original lighting documents. The Lighting Archive website is developing a collection of actual plots, focus charts, and cue sheets from real shows. They will place an emphasis on historical productions and designers who have made important contributions to the field. To learn more, go to thelightingarchive.org. This episode is also brought to you by the Archiving Technical Theater History Facebook page and online mentorship program. The mentorship program is an online avenue to connect, share, collaborate, and provide helpful assistance to students and teachers alike by putting them together through social media. If you wish to be a mentor or are looking for someone to be a mentor to, be sure to click on the mentorship link located on the menu page. Lots of great people with experience in many different fields awaits you. Check us out on Facebook. Hello everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. This week, I'm grateful to be joined once again by Miss Fiona Watt of the Society of British Theatre Designers. Miss Watt originally trained with the Motley Theatre Design Course in London. She is a freelance scenographer who enjoys exploring the relationship between existing architecture and the performance space, unlocking the hidden dynamics within traditional and non-traditional theatre spaces to find the strongest points of exchange between performer and audience. Fiona is Honorary Secretary of the Society of British Theatre Designers and UK Performance Design Commissioner for OISTAT. In the last year, she has helped organize, curate, and open the Staging Places exhibition. Its first incarnation was presented at the 2019 PQ. In July, the exhibition was installed and presented in its full form at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, England. The exhibition is slated to remain there until the end of March 2020. To learn more about the exhibition, you can visit the Staging Places website at stagingplaces.co.uk, or go directly to the Victoria and Albert Museum site for information. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Miss Fiona Watt. Enjoy. And we are we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of the podcast. Once again, I am joined from her home in uh, in the UK, the, uh, the, the the great the the, the well informed uh, society <laughs> of British theater designers, Grand Chief.
1: <laughs> Whoa, it's all going to be down- disappointing from here.
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome. Ms. Fiona Watt, how are you today? I, I, we've already talked a little bit of, of, of UK politics and uh, there's definitely a little bit of a lightness now uh, kind of going on. So this is great. This is a good start.
1: It is. Yeah, it's an extraordinary day.
0: It is. It's, it's, it's been kind of an extraordinary kind of couple of weeks with watching our various governments do uh, going through their, their machinations. And also we want to give a big shout out to, uh, the, the people of Scotland for, for being the, the, to keeping up the good fight to, 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 to doing what's right.
1: Exactly. They've been very tenacious in getting it all through the first stage. And, uh, and very interestingly now, uh, because parliament is televised the whole time, obviously not at the moment because it's closed, but the viewing figures in the past two or three weeks have gone through the roof for 24 hour viewing of parliament. Uh, and, uh, Vast, vast, vast increase in, in the number of people registering to vote. So that's all very interesting.
0: So so if you're listening to this in the UK, if you're listening to this in the US, or you're listening to it in your favorite country, be sure to get out there, register and vote, because it, it, you never know when that's going to be necessary.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. But we're not here to talk politics. We're actually here to talk about uh, your la- the latest project, which is going on right now, which is called Staging Places. And uh, I know that uh, in, at the Prague Quadrennial, there was an introduction of, of that project. And recently, um, the, uh, a full presentation of it opened at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Yes, in London.
0: And it, the, the opening was in Ju- June or July?
1: July, 23rd of July. It's a little while ago now.
0: Excellent, and so uh, now we're about two months after after since it since it opened. And uh, what what's been the response? How's it going?
1: Uh, we've had a great response, especially um, from the designers themselves and the way that, that that we're sharing their work and their practices and the range of uh, and diversity of practice across the country um, with that audience. And you know, we it's always. Uh, very important to us that the V&A have given us that opportunity to be in the National Museum of Art and Design alongside all of those other uh, art and design disciplines. But uh, we really feel this time that we're we're showing and sharing process as well as outcome, um, and that's gone down very very well. Uh, so just to give you an idea, we've expanded from 12 designers in Prague to 30 physically presented designers in the VNA. and um, and then we have a digital gallery in the V&A and a website that shows and shares the work of all 150 designers who submitted to our open call so we feel like we've made a very um, incredible resource as well as as well as the exhibition um, and we now uh, went almost at the point of finalizing that it will be there for another three months. So it will be there now until, uh, 29th of March,
0: 2020. So, so we're, we're definitely encouraging people to go check out, uh, this work. Now the work, you said that there are 30 physical or approximately 30 physical exhibits there. Um, uh, they range in size, shape. And I, I, just, I just rewatched, like I said, I just rewatched your opening speech and you said some of them are indoors, some of them are outdoors. How is the presentation curated? Um,
1: so the, the work is kind of curated through three, um, three to four kind of different broad themes, but really what we're trying to do is take the public on a journey through the process of contemporary design. So the first, um, curatorial panel is uh is called design creation and there we talk about the process of studio work really essentially because we don't uh we don't have any we have one permanent design position in a theatre now in the UK um and everybody else is freelance as far as we're aware uh so that's whole process of actually um other practitioners in a theatre building seeing a design underway and seeing it appearing through different stages in the design office doesn't really um, exist. So we wanted to be sure that we were exposing that process and the stages of the process. So there's some really interesting submissions there that kind of just really explain very, very neatly um and inspiringly what that's how complex that process of evolving a design um is. Um, and then another panel is a, is we refer to as design realization. So that's been very much thinking about that kind of cross-pollination, uh, which was very, very evident in the submissions to the call, um that cross- pollination of uh, sound lighting set costume. Video design and all of those practitioners kind of working off one another, and the 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 hierarchy being less triangular. Really, that that I guess there's a kind of hori- very evident horizontal collaboration, um, which was very clear when I was putting the curation together. So, again, just kind of looking at how dramaturgically all of those different elements um, really. Uh, impact on storytelling uh, now and then we've looked at uh, work as you say that's been made outdoors or has been made with, with or in communities or visited communities um, and there we've just been really talking about the memories that that creates and the kind of particular circumstances that creates so uh, there's a beautiful piece piece called Pagialachi um, taken out to a Scottish town called Paisley which is kind of uh, not a very rich town by any manner of means in Scotland uh, and staged in a tent um, a large circus tent with a community chorus uh, with the circus tent uh, giving a real nod to the shape of the Sydney Opera House um, which was a really lovely project and then again Flood uh, designed by David Farley uh, which was Um, a kind of promenade event performance across the whole of the city in Hull uh, as part of Hull City of Culture and then our final uh, section looks at designers taking the lead and by that we mean designers who uh, are initiating their own work through their own practice so they're often the makers of the work as well as the designers of the work or the writers of the work Um, and Designers who work to enable other people to take the re- to, to take the lead and to to make work um, who might not be kind of visible otherwise, I guess.
0: okay, so the in, in the in the materials that you got, so i re- I rewatched um, the 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 submission request that uh, that you had yeah. put out, and uh, you, you had talked about uh, physical submissions, writing submissions, uh, video submissions. Things like that. What what was the uh, what was a lot of the the submiss- submissions that you got? Um, what did you find? A lot of people wanting to, to do videos or send you pictures, or how how did the whole process work? Uh, and- that
1: was a very good mix, but we've never do- offered the option of video submissions before, um, and we were really stressed that we wanted um, those video submissions to sh- to really help um, a wider audience understand process in some way. So. We've got some trailers, uh, some show trailers that people have submitted, but on the whole, um, those video submissions have been about actual practice and they've been filmed in people's studios or they've been filmed in um, uh, design design uh, spaces or they've been filmed as a conversation between two artists. Um, and virtually every exhibit has a, um, has a digital screen that shows uh, a bit of video um, which is a huge shift from four years ago Um, and designers wrote very very freely and very well too so there was some we've created what we refer to as mini manifestos really so out of the we asked a series of questions and there was no compulsion to answer those it was purely if you were interested in expanding on your submission that you responded to those questions. But out of that, we um, we got some really kind of interesting uh, statements, mini statements that we've, mini manifestos, we're calling them, I guess, uh, which are in the exhibition um, where, where we're kind of capturing designers' voices about why they do what, what they do and what about it matters to them, really. So that's been completely fascinating and very generous, actually
0: the uh the 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 exhibit that you brought to to prague yeah uh, um were some of the 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 designers that offered submissions were they part of of that initial uh pq exhibit or was was that just solely yes, from so
1: the, the exhibit that's in the VA is the pq exhibit um plus another um half circle of um physical exhibits uh and then we have um We have some large um, projections um, for other designers, a lot of which are um, costume, and they're quite deliberately costume because it was wonderful footage and stills of costume in motion moving on the body, Um, and that was really... It felt a really thrilling way to be able to show costume projected large a large scale on the center wall of the space so okay
0: uh i know that um one of the one of the things that has become more prominent um is digital media yeah and, and um we're seeing we're starting to see a lot of presentations that uh how how have you found that digital media is gay or how did you or have did you incorporate digital media into your uh into 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 this exhibit
1: Yes, so we worked with um, Eva Oster, who is uh, an AV designer, video designer rather, Um, and her and I worked very closely together because what I wanted to do in the exhibition, which I think I may have said before, was actually capture the voice of the designers as well as the work. And so there was a real tie in with how we created the graphic identity of the project with our graphic designer, Mark Jennings. Um, and looking at that kind of uh, manifesto-like quality, I guess, to that um, graphic. And then that developed then into working with Ever to create uh, these uh, screen-based displays. Um, and to, so each designer generally has a small screen in which they're showing their work or talking in more detail about their work. Um, but then we also have a... Uh, a, a short sequence and clip of that work and the the designers statement about their work in the center of each space so it feels like there's a level of animation to the exhibit if that makes sense right it doesn't feel static
0: right it has sort of a life and it moves around
1: yeah it feels like a com it feels like a conversation with artifacts I hope okay. um, that was the intention
0: yeah i I think um having the experience of of, of- Seeing the the PQ exhibit, and then being part of of the PQ talks, and what I really got out of it is, as you said, it's conversation, whether it be a person to whatever they're they're viewing or person to person conversation, is really the the crux of of getting information across. Um, in terms of the 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 responses that you got, because I know that you had spoken about. Uh, being representative of the larger United Kingdom. Did yes. You, did, did you find that, uh, I mean, like all things, it's like, oh, I wish we had a little bit more of this or we wish we could have reached out to there. Um, did you find that through this th- this process that you felt like you have a, a pretty balanced uh, representation or is it still some of those things, like there are still some outliers which you really, really like to get?
1: I think that's, I think there are still outliers I think we I feel we got as far as we could get with that call because the general response was a love of the openness of the call and the generosity of the call timeline wise we worked over a relatively short timeline from when that call opened to when it closed and we did a lot of regional work around the country but I guess what we want to keep building um, and I don't think you know that sense of creating anything inclusive is ever static is it you you it's a work in progress constantly so I think going forward the people we want to be able to reach even more are those who are designing but don't necessarily refer to themselves in that way so um Designers for carnival, for example, we we had we had uh, designers for, uh, designers and makers of carnival uh, attending our events uh, in some regions, but we didn't we didn't have uh, many submissions in that way. And same with the street theatre sector as a whole, actually, because often they're making it, writing it, choreographing it. They're doing the whole thing, and they might not necessarily. Call themselves a designer, but there is some extraordinary work um, being made in that way. So uh, we just keep going, you know. We just keep um, keep reaching out, really. I guess.
0: So as as the because you, you said that um, the exhibit is going to be uh, got, got extended in, into March yeah. of, of, of twenty twenty, are there plan other like planned events that are that will happen? talks or something like that, that will happen at the museum over, over the time that will kind of connect audiences, uh, or, and the community to, to one another is, you know?
1: Yes. So uh, what was really exciting was because, you know, it's, it's you don't know how a, how a conversation based exhibit is going to pan out until you have the conversations really. Mm-hmm. So, um, it we felt it was very very successful in prague and the vna felt it was very successful and really enjoyed uh, experiencing that so uh, it was a result really of seeing how well it worked in prague that they have said that they would like similar sort of events to happen within the space uh, probably once a month while we're at the vna so we're just in the process of programming those things now and Um, I think it's really interesting because on letting the designers know that the response from the designers in terms of saying I would absolutely love to be part of a panel, I'd like to get this group in, I'd like to be able to contribute by making this event if you're interested in that. So it feels as though the exhibition is owned by the people whose work is, is there. And of course now we're reaching out to younger members um, to offer, you know, hopefully things like portfolio sessions and mentoring sessions, uh, while we're there. So one
0: of the, one of the things that is part of the, the staging places, uh, website, uh, uh, is uh, a thing called regional hearts. Could you kind of, could you kind of explain what that is? Because it sounds, it sounds kind of similar to what, what you just described of continuing the conversation. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, so the regional hearts and we've specifically called them hearts and not hubs, um, cause it's such a kind of overused word. And I think, um, you know, there's always a perception in the UK that most organisations are London centric and we're, we're not, we have a management committee from all over the country. We have designers represented from all over the country, but, um, there was a really strong sense that, um, our design community wanted to feel like there was there was a there was a kind of regional representation and a regional uh, level of gathering, and we really wanted to encourage that to be led by designers and not by organizations um, and in the work I've been doing in the past four years, people began to kind of bubble up around the country that I knew could take those kinds of roles on. so we have. Uh, we refer to them as designers taking the lead and they are. we have a design champion in about five or six different um, regions around the UK. And we've tried to partner that up with a venue um, and a higher ed- education institution in that area. Uh, so this year we're really going to start. Uh, we did... Uh, an event called soups last year which was really about getting people together and it was as it says it was a bowl of soup and gathering people uh, around with a bowl of soup from various different disciplines not necessarily design um, to just generate that conversation in that region um, and now we really want to look at those roles of assistant designer associate designer established designer how that all works within a building and to try and open up some more consistent opportunities because I don't know what it's like elsewhere in the world but certainly for our young people quite often once they graduate the only option is to go back to their family home until they establish themselves and suddenly you're back in the bedroom that you were in before you were left to study but you're trying to be a professional person doing what you're doing. so um, we've just been kind of trying to think about how we create those kind of sustainable support networks really.
0: Yeah, we're now um, in Taipei, Taiwan. Did didn't we do? Didn't you organize a a, a kind of soup as well? Because I remember us having special tomato soup by the by recipe by Pamela Howard. Was that was that something that you that organized? That was in
1: Cardiff at Oyster Fifty. Oh, in Cardiff. That's it. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was at Oyster Fifty. So. Um... So yes that's the, that's been the general the general principle of it and we tested it for the first time on all of you it's a way of just <laughs> kind of being a little bit less formal and a little bit less daunting and the, you know soup is the most basic and nourishing thing to make so um and the idea with all of these projects really is that it's scalable according to what you're able to do so if there are six designers in your region and you've got access to one kitchen and it's in somebody's house, that's a soup. If you've got access to a theatre building and 50 people to come and the resources to support making 50 bowls of soup, uh, then you do that. But the idea that was that with each of these events, it's it's completely scalable so that nobody feels excluded really.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's the, I think soup, not only as an actual thing, but also as a metaphor, as this, it's a very unifying thing because everybody, at some point, has had a bowl of soup. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's an association with it of warmth and comforts, uh, depending on when you have it, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but I, I, I like the idea. The other interesting thing you said is about what are, what are students to do after, after they, they finish their, their studies. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about your experience, but my, my experience was, my parents metaf- not metaphorically they actually gave me uh, luggage and they said go away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not because they didn't like me, but just because it was kind of like go go out and and, and, and it's go out and do your thing, uh, in in their in their loving in their loving way. Yes. Um, yeah. But you know now now with the, with costs and and just financial issues and, and things mm-hmm. like that you know, going out on your own is actually is, and and this is a problem in the U S obviously is the student debt crisis. The, 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 the thing that the burden that we, that is being placed on students nowadays is, is really out of hand. now it's, it's not that education, I guess we can all agree that education is valuable. It's just that the cost of that education has gotten out of, out of hand. Does, does, is that same experience in, in the UK as well? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's, you know, the, the the repayment of what is called a student loan, you know, doesn't kick in until you're earning over a certain amount of money. But I would still argue that if you're not from an affluent family, that's, that's some, whether it be really over your head or over your head in the future and, and feels quite abstract, it's still over your head and it's mm-hmm. still... It's still well above thirty thousand pounds, which is a lot of money um, sitting there. And there is no, there is no cushion when you left. But you know, when I went to university, I wouldn't have gone had I not got a full student grant because we got full government grants at that time. Our education was was free at degree level, mm-hmm. um, uh, and you know, we had things like various different schemes when you. Uh, might be out of work or graduating, that just helped you kind of get started. And, and I would kind of refer to that just helped you sit it out, actually, because it takes, I always say to students I teach, you know, it takes, it takes four years at least to, to be getting the kind of breaks that make you go, OK, this is worthwhile to keep going. And what we're experiencing in the UK, which is why this year's focusing on those kind of relationships with buildings is that many young designers now don't even get a sniff of those opportunities till eight years out or 12 years out where it used to be four, and and obviously you can't sustain yourself over that period of time um, without doing something else and in lots of ways that's a good thing you know you juggle paying your bills with with making work etc but there's a there's a limit to how far that's and how long that ought to go on and our opportunities aren't transparent they're not clear so
0: yeah i i I had a a a good conversation uh last week with uh a a gentleman named michael cruz who is the uh the host of the title block podcast and he went through a phase of transition from from theater he he completely changed fields he went into uh-huh. when went into medicine and uh what and he he didn't regret going into into theater um he just it just there was a point where he, he reached a threshold where he said you know this isn't really what i want to do anymore yeah. you know yeah. it, it, it wasn't the work wasn't satisfying it just there was a certain it seemed more about like the relationships just weren't weren't there or they 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 they, they changed um and you know that's one person's experience i know for myself the i've enjoyed the theater but at some point i stopped calling myself a designer for example just because it it wasn't what i was doing i was still involved but i wasn't what i thought i was training to do and i and i also think you know
1: we're in a kind of We're in sort of strange times because um, people of my generation, perhaps an older kind of uh, may go, we train too many young people and there aren't the theatre positions that there were, um, which on the one hand may be true, but on the other hand, the flexibility and the range of skills that young artists now have, who will just as easily be designing the poster as the set, the costumes, making the short film and the trailer and... All of those things and that could all be one person um not that you should be paying one person to, <laughs> right. we to do will, all we'll of those things important. but do you know what i mean the flexibility of skills and you know certainly here work in the in the music industry has really opened up for example for music videos etc we have a lot of designers uh established designers who work in music video and fashion as well as working in theater um so just the kind of broader definitions of what it is you go out to do and that it might not necessarily be called the label that it traditionally has uh, is something that we need to consider, I think, because I don't think we necessarily um, champion and celebrate the diversity of skills that our young people have when they graduate.
0: And I think that's one of the great things about uh, the the exhibit that you've put together with staging places is that, um, you you are opening a window in, into a much bigger world that young people who who make who hopefully will go and and see this will be like oh I didn't know that th- that I could take this skill that I have and apply it this way exactly, exactly. the the thing that blows me away I, I mean I I would have never imagined this I, I I can only assume that more people like me were like this I would have never thought of digital media as as what it has become today. Yes, I, I yeah. would have never imagined that some of the, some of the the techno wizardry that has integrated itself into design w- would ever exist. I mean, I was yeah. blown away when something rotated or or something turned around or, or, yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Now it's just it's it's magic before your eyes, but it's magic that is something that regular people can create and do.
1: Yeah and i think i mean you you you've listened to the um speech from opening night but i think you know for me what was what's very exciting is that that actually quite a lot of that that technology intimidates us as as more experienced and uh, established practitioners but for young people who are just starting to train who are interested in things like code for example a great deal of this is binary it's about making binary work and it's about recoding and you know obviously it works upwards from binary but it's it's a whole different set of skills that again might not be obvious as being vital to our contemporary performance industry and uh certainly the exhibition would not have opened on time i don't believe um Without the skills of a 16 year old uh, on work placement from um, Brit School, which is a state um, high school in performing arts, who supported us with space uh, to pre build and pre tech the, the set. And we were very keen from the outset, was very keen from the outset, that we had young people from that school as part of our install team. And so it was a 16 year old uh, young man who. Stripped everything out, recoded it, made it work overnight in a way that nobody else could figure out. So, you know, it's important to to for us to to be really aware of what those skills are that we're going to are going to be needed going forward. I,
0: I agree. I, I I remember seeing in in many a meeting. And listening to people who are are like, well, we need to come up with this idea. We're, and I, and in my head, I go, you know what? You need a teenager because a teenager yeah. will will more than happy tackle exactly uh, tackle exactly this. And yeah, I feel like that's kind of the 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 medium place for for the 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 generate for every for the as generations go along. Is that there's yeah. always seems there's always a middle spot where, you know, I have. I have to put my my knowledge and experience aside a little bit and be curious enough to be like, "How do you do this? Can yes, you show exactly. me how to do this? Yeah. Be- because yeah. then you teach me, and yeah. then and then I don't feel as intimidated because I'm willing to give a little bit of myself. And I don't, if I can get past feeling intimidated, then I, I think like the 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 person I'm asking to to come in it's like oh wow i i i'm important or i yes. i i can contribute yeah. yeah and i and i think yeah. that'll bridge a lot a lot of gaps that we 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 tend to to run into
1: yeah and and you know just being a little bit more flexible in what mentorship is it, it's it's both ways you know in that speech I, there was one of those kind of facebook kind of philosophy philosophical pieces of advice that you get about 30 million of every day in your feed but mm-hmm. um the one that came up that said we all need a we all need a mentor under 30 I think is 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 a is a very very good one and uh and we certainly had some some extraordinary mentors under 30 on that uh, on that team that got the exhibition up so I I,
0: I feel like I have a whole classroom of them because, <laughs> because there, there are days they they look at me like b- with a bewildered look, and they're like, "No, sir, it's like this." Yeah, don't you know this is yeah. the term? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, and okay. generally, I
1: kind of just explain now exactly who I am and what my level of engagement with technology is and what my level of engagement with being able to keep my keys about my person is. And <laughs> generally then from there on in, they kind of look after me.
0: <laughs> I, I it, 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 it's a fun experience. It, it took me a little while to, to kind of embrace it because one of the things was it was, I always had this impression that if I'm standing in front of, of the classroom, I'm supposed to be the authority. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be like this is how it's done, and I I realized very quickly the folly of that when the my first two years of, of, of leading classes it w- it was a disaster. It was it was it was like why are we fighting with each other? And I realized yeah. it wasn't them fighting me; it was me fighting them. Yeah, and it's like I really need to pair what it is that I down, and now I need to really listen to them, and yeah. and I have found that. Um, it's made my approach to creating classes a little bit better. I mean, it's, it's a work in progress, as always. But it, I think if, if, if anybody is, is out there listening and hasn't had the opportunity to teach for a, for a period of time, go do it. Because you will learn very quickly what, what your style is, and then you'll learn what really to, to back off, hopefully what to back off from
1: yeah, and I think you know there's there's nothing there's nothing better for challenging you to articulate what you know and and what your own practice is through having to translate it into means by which somebody else who's never done it before can understand it and it keeps you on your toes. It really kind of because you know no two students are the same, so you're you you're having to find various different strategies of teaching the same thing or passing on the same piece of information that lodges in a different way for everybody. Yeah, it's,
0: uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. I just, I just finished rereading because I'm, I'm, I'm going to be taking a class uh, soon. And one of the, the books that they asked us to, to, to read, The Empty Space. And I haven't read that in a long time. I actually just yep. finished reading it, and I I didn't realize how insightful uh, uh, some of the, the the passages are in there, and and, and sort of the timelessness of them. Um, now some of the references are a little a little dated because the book was mm-hmm. written in you know '68, but the the, the core information uh, has has been really really. Useful to me because now it, it it's forcing me to revisit. Um, but what I'm looking forward to reading, uh, and eventually when I get a copy, is a is a new book, a relatively new book that came out. Um, you may may or may not be familiar with it. Uh, it's called Beyond Sonography with by Rachel Hahn.
1: Yes, I haven't I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm aware of it. And I uh, I, uh,
0: I I I been watching. She has uh, some YouTube clips in which she's starting mm-hmm. to go through her, her process, but I'm looking forward to the re- An interesting journey to to learn these different perspectives. Um, I think the, the, the pitch on uh, the Beyonce sonography book is that it's kind of evolving uh, uh, Peter Brooks' ideas. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to, to, to read it. Um, but you you haven't had the opportunity to to look at no, it. No,
1: but... no, I'm I'm kind of getting to the stage now where I might be able to draw breath a little bit more and <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy those things. But uh, but yeah, for the moment, it's 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 been about getting the exhibition organised and the and and now our events program. And you know, hopefully, uh, there will be a touring life for the exhibition beyond the V&A as well. So that would I, be really great.
0: I hope so. I, I uh, I'm I'm interested to to see. Um, what, what, what becomes of it, obviously? Um, I would like to, because I'm going to actually going to be in Europe for six months,, uh, yeah. to, to, to come over and experience Definitely. it in, in its space. Um, the, uh, the, what, what do you think is, what have been some of the big takeaways from, from the experience of curating a, a new project like this? Um, and where, where do you see it going forward?
1: Um, I think it's you know in some ways it's probably still too difficult to say it's kind of quite difficult reflecting on something so immediately but I think the the feedback that I have received and the feedback that I hoped we would get um, is um, designers feel like we have truly celebrated the diversity of what it is that we do, and the diversity in scales of work, types of work, people who make work—it's uh, that's that was the intention and the ambition from the outset. So, you know, it's a little bit too early to know what the public reaction is, and it's you know how do you how do you capture that is always the is always the next thing. But um, we have. 26 28 um design courses in the uk so um i'm hopeful that they're all going to visit at at some point and um i'm very very keen that they all share with other departments in their institutions that train director stage managers producers uh all of those people who themselves um even you know at an established level don't fully understand what it is that we do um to just you know, share that uh, exhibition as much as possible, because it has been very openly and generously shared by the practitioners. And I think it's a, um, I think it's incredibly eye-opening, I would say, for uh, what, what other disciplines might perceive design is.
0: I, I know this may be, may be far, far too early, but um, do you see the maybe from from this experience and then if the, the the regional soups or hearts mm-hmm. as you call them uh come together and they start to to create kind of their own their own visions um do you think that uh this spells uh good good things for for pq in 2023
1: i think it is mm-hmm. th- yeah i i definitely hope so you know and i you know i I think what's so exciting about the sort of cycle that we have, and again, something that we really need to work to keep sharing more, and you do a fantastic job with all of the sharing that you do, is that we have these reflective events every two years, essentially, through World Stage Design and through PQ. So somebody who has any of the young people who were involved in the project this time, I made very clear to them that i expected them to to be either submitting to the open call next time or taking part as a as a student curator or an early career curator because in prague obviously we take we take that um that other exhibit with uh, which is entirely curated by uh by the team that we select so yeah. um you know i'm really hopeful that actually we just continue to increase the next pq continues to increase that kind of variety and and making the rest of the world uh, a bit more knowledgeable about just how diverse the countries and regions of the uk are for a tiny island it's um you know it's incredibly diverse and at the moment particularly it's very very important that we celebrate that and give that confidence really
0: um if people want to learn more about uh staging places if they want to learn more about the the uh the exhibit um, Mm -hmm. where is the best place for them to to go find information uh
1: so they will they can see all the work on the staging places website which is www.stagingplaces.co.uk um if they want to know anything more about the curation process and the open call process, some of that information is on that site, but I'm very happy for people to get in touch with me personally. Um, and, uh, you know, I can share how we went, how we went about that, share some of the documentation that we created.
0: Do you, uh, do you see yourself, uh, going to world stage design in, uh, Calgary?
1: Yes. Yes. In what way? Um, who knows, but, uh, yes i've I vowed that i would not uh that I would not be involved in the same way in one of these projects again <laughs> and then they come along and you're leading a workshop with a room full of people and you go that's an idea I'm really interested in so uh yeah we'll uh as you know we'll start talking about that next week probably as we start building up those conversations um because, I, as I say, I think that I think those two-year intervals are really wonderful things to aim for, whatever way you take part. Um, they're important times.
0: Well, I, I, I look forward to uh, to seeing what comes of it. Like I said, I, I'm I'm going to try my best to to come over and and, and actually experience the exhibit in person because I, uh, I, I I'm I'm vastly interested in it uh, because it's 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 new, it's different. Um, and, I, and I like the idea of how you said it's, it's a conversation. Um, so I continue to wish you and everybody the, the, the best with, with the work. Um, enjoy hopefully what is a, hopefully a couple of days off maybe. for Yeah. You, okay. <laughs> a little bit of time to, to recharge and not have to go and, and deal too much with the outside world.
1: Absolutely, and we look very, very much look forward to you being in Europe. And you definitely won't be allowed to go back to the States or Trinidad and Tobago without coming to visit us in the UK. So, <laughs> I, I,
0: I, it is. I have a list, and it's on the list. Good. <laughs> good, good. Good. All right, everyone. Um, again, this has been another fantastic conversation with uh, Fiona Watt uh, of the Society of British uh, Theatre Designers. Um, please go check out uh, the organization. It's a wonderful organization that represents a lot of the, the creative uh, folks in the UK and beyond. Um, and they have been a wonderful wealth of information and they do great work. So um, please go and continue to, to check them out. Um, again, Fiona, I look forward to our next conversation and it better be and I'm going to bring my stuff and we'll do one uh, when I'm there in, in the UK. How's that?
1: That sounds perfect, and thank you, Richard, once again, just for doing this. I think it's a remarkable resource, and I think it's remarkable that you share your time and your energy and passion about it all so generously. So thank you very much.
0: All right. Well, go enjoy your ra- your rainy day. I <laughs> will. Thank
1: <laughs> you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of the podcast. Remember, this podcast is listener-supported, so wherever you get it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This podcast can be found on such platforms as iTunes Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Stitcher. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, we can be reached at archivett 24 at yahoo.com. Again, that's A-R-C-H-I-V-E-T-T-24 at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Archiving Technical Theater History. We appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.